It's Wired, the Pistons podcast, presented by Chief. Here's your host, Matt Derry. Always fun to be back on with you, everybody. Welcome in. It is another edition of Wired, the Pistons podcast, presented to you by Jeep. It is indeed Matt Derry. Let's talk some Pistons basketball, some draft, certainly. As we inch closer to that, we'll go around the league, as well as our guest today is Spencer Davies, senior editor and writer for Basketball News. You can find him at basketballnews.com, and of course on Twitter, at SpinDavies, D-A-V-I-E-S. And certainly the Pistons uh, continue to have their front office and Troy Weaver look at uh, draft picks, talking to players, uh, and certainly prospects, whether it's Zoom meetings or whatever, and and kind of getting into the mix uh, of draft uh, prep as they also, of course, are scouting and, and taking a look at, what, at what's going on uh, throughout the playoffs and the, and the postseason. Spencer, uh, you're with us now. Thanks so much for the time. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, Matt. How you been, bud? I've been doing well, man. Just enjoying bubble ball and hoping to see uh, a nice champion crown here. I mean, the second round's been amazing to watch. So, uh, you know, just uh, waiting to see what happens and enjoying the ride. Tell me about your impressions of where Detroit sits. Uh, the Pistons are obviously going through a rebuild yet. Uh, it's it's new to them. They still have some veteran pieces in Blake Griffin and Derek Rose. Where do you see Detroit as we go into next season? Uh, well, you know, it's it's kind of like where the Cavs sit right now. You know, they're they're kind of in this this rebuilding mode. They do have a, a star on the team, similar to like how the Cavs have Kevin Love. They have Blake Griffin. Um, you know, they've they've actually got uh, quite a bit of money to spend here in the offseason, unlike a lot of other teams. It is a weaker draft class as seen by a lot of executives and and people around the league. But you know what? Uh, it is an opportunity to add pieces. And uh, plus with that uh, number seven overall pick, you never know what way they could go. Uh, Dwayne Casey, as we've seen before, is an excellent leader. He turned around the Toronto Raptors when they had Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, and they had to kind of pick up the pieces themselves. Uh, so I could see something similar happening here in Detroit. Um, you know, they've, they've got quite a bit of uh, roster spots to fill. Uh, it all depends on what happens, you know, with Tony Snow on that player option. Uh, Blake Griffin obviously sticking around for the long term. And uh, Sekou, the rookie, uh, we got to see what he's made of still, too, because we only got a glimpse of what he can do. How difficult is it for these teams that didn't get into the bubble to continue to try to develop players and have a chemistry? And, you know, there was some talk about having, you know, an outside bubble or, or a second bubble, and that didn't come to fruition. But how behind are teams like you mentioned Cleveland before, uh, Detroit, and some of these other teams that are that are at the bottom right now trying to work their way up? Yeah, you've got like Atlanta, Charlotte, you know, you name it, anyone who's in the, the basement in the West. It's difficult. It really is. I mean, think about not playing for nine straight months. That's a long, long time. I mean, you think you got summer league in between there. You've got the random individual leagues that pop up around the around the, the nation, you know, like the Drew League and the ones that are in New York, like, you know, the, the all of those that, that they can at least stay in shape and, and play the the game like with a team and five on five and stuff like that. But no, it's been more of individuals uh, working out and, and, you know, kind of staying in shape. It's more strength and conditioning than it is uh, working on the game. Uh, game setting is everything. So reps in that case are, are so paramount. If you look at the Washington wizards, yeah, they didn't make the playoffs, but you know what? They got eight games in, they got a good look at their guys like Troy Brown jr. Someone young like that. Rui Hachimura. I mean, that's, 
what was beneficial to a team like that or the Phoenix Suns who you know went 8 and 0 and almost made the playoffs when no one thought that that would be possible the Phoenix Suns got a lot out of that because now they see what they can can do and what they're capable of the teams like Cleveland and Detroit and Atlanta and Charlotte those guys didn't get a chance so it's a lot more difficult and I know that's why the the coaches in the front offices were a little bit more you know uh, disappointed that were, they weren't able to resume any kind of activities now we'll see what happens here um if they have any training camps or the nba is going to allow them to do these uh in city bubbles if you will uh, to just do at least some inter-squad scrimmages or something like that because that'll help tremendously even if it's only for a week or two so i i mean the teams that got into the bubble are way ahead of the curve uh, of the other teams that are you know behind Spencer Davies is with us here on Wired, the Pistons podcast. He's from Basketball News and uh, is an insider, a writer, and does a fantastic job. Also did some radio for years in Cleveland and has covered the Cavs there as well. You look at where Detroit sits, and we talked a little bit about the rebuild, uh, but it starts with Dwayne Casey. Like you said, a lot of times when these rebuilds start, a new coach comes in. There is a new GM, but Troy Weaver is, is certainly sticking with Dwayne Casey, who had a hand in helping Troy get here. How do you like the system that's in place and kind of the protocols from top to bottom here in Detroit? I'm, I'm a fan. I mean, you, you look at the record and you can automatically assume how a team operates, but you got to also remember that they moved a lot of key pieces, including one Andre Drummond here coming to Cleveland, uh, somebody who's been a staple of that organization for a long, long time. Reggie Jackson, another one. Uh, over in L.A. now, who, by the way, I'm sure the Pistons fans aren't too happy seeing him make shot after shot for the Clippers. Um, but, you know, it's it's got to start somewhere. There's got to be a core piece. Blake Griffin could be that core piece. Um, but, again, you have to see what you have in Sekou Domboya. Uh, Luke Kennard is somebody who is, who is very solid, uh, good three-level scorer, someone who can, can hit the shot from outside but can also put it on the floor. Uh, really liked what I saw out of Bruce Brown last year, uh, playing a little bit of that point guard position. Uh, Svi Mihailuk, another guy uh, who can knock it down from distance. So you got some good starting pieces there. Uh, I am curious to see what happens with Christian Wood. Obviously, his free agent stock has risen tremendously uh, this season, whether it was with Andre Drummond there or not. Um, he was really active on the glass and scoring inside. So we're going to find out. Uh, you know, it, it's going to take a lot of patience. It's going to take a lot of camaraderie. Uh, you got to build a culture. And I believe that that starts with the draft, but it also starts with the off season. Troy Weaver's the man pulling the trigger now as the general manager on deals and certainly uh, adding to staff, the draft and everything else. Highly uh, respected guy around the league. And I, I think Spencer, a perfect fit for what Detroit's trying to do. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, you know you have to, to have the mind of a player in order to succeed if you're on a team that's kind of starting from ground up. Uh, they know the ins and outs of the locker rooms. They know how to connect with the players. That's very important that your front office can connect to the players, not only just the coaching and the coaching staff. Um, I think that it was a tremendous room. He's very well respected, obviously did amazing work there in Oklahoma City for the number of years that he was there. Um, and and he, he's been around there, he, you know, being a former player himself, uh, having been in a number of different locker rooms and learning from different veterans and playing with stars, that can only be a help to 
you know, molding his basketball mind. And he's been ready for this position for quite some time. So now that he's got the keys to the, to the city, we're going to find out how well he does, how, how well the job that he does. And, you know, the general thought is that it's going to be good. Spencer Davies with me uh, from the basketball news. Tell me about this draft. You mentioned before, not the, not the, you know, not the strongest of drafts. The Pistons have had just really lousy luck with the lottery and ping pong balls going way back to even the Joe Dumars era. So here they sit at seven. What's, what's the approach? Do you think? You got to take best player available. I mean, if, if it's, the class that we think it is. And after the top three, there's a big drop off. You could get anything from four to, you know, 25 could be the same amount of talent based on what we're hearing from executives and and personnel. Then you got to just kind of swing for the fences and just get the the best talent available. And you mentioned that luck there with the number seven overall pick after having, you know, the, the poor record. It's similar, just the Central Division just doesn't get any luck because the Cavs got the fifth pick in a row for the second year straight. Um, but as far as the draft goes, uh, I think that they if they don't get a point guard in free agency, and I know that this is swapped order because the draft comes before free agency this year. I, I, I really like Tyrese Halliburton out of Iowa State. Um, it's just the length, uh, the playmaking ability, and not only that, but you know he can, he can make shots. Um, it, it, the, the mechanics might not be the best, but he knows how to score, you know, when he puts the ball on the floor and he can play make for others. So that I think would be the guy to, to target at number seven. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of guys out there, maybe Killian Hayes. I know a lot of people think that he could be the best player in the draft. Somebody who's been overseas for a minute. Um, you, you know, I, I, again, I don't want to really really pinpoint a, a perfect target because you don't know the way the draft's going to gonna, gonna kind of shake out. Um, who knows? Maybe you'll, you'll see some people drop, like maybe, you know, out of nowhere, LaMelo drops, you, you know, it's just kind of unpredictable. Uh, but I think that a point guard is the, the ultimate leader on a team. So in some way, shape or form, you're going to have to get one of those. Um, and it could be someone that's at the top of the list in free agency, or it could be someone in this draft. I know it is a little bit more of a guard heavy draft. So that is kind of advantageous for Troy Weaver and the Pistons, but in some way, shape or form, you got to get that guy. I mean, look, Dwayne Casey had Kyle Lowry forever when he was there. Kyle Lowry is still there. You see what he's doing in the playoffs. He's being that floor general and that true leader. And he's already kind of shifted that leadership to Fred Van Vliet, who, as you've seen, has had one of the best seasons in his career and is going to get paid big time in free agency, no matter where he's at. So it all starts with the head of snake. And that's the point guard in my opinion. You mentioned this draft before Spencer. Um, You said it's, it's, it might be a top three or top heavy and then the rest, but you know, like you mentioned Killian Hayes before might, might end up being the best player in this draft. Just like Giannis was the best player years later in a draft and was taken in the teens. And, you know, Paul George was taken in the teens. You look at this draft and yes, people have said Wiseman ball and Edwards are a top three, but that that's not a home run by any stretch of the imagination. Is it? No, no. I mean, they're not exactly sure things. I mean, if you look at those top three, you have Anthony Edwards who could have the most talent in the draft, but does he have the most drive? Then you look at James Wiseman, somebody who is, extremely extremely raw um as a big man but 
he does have those skills to put it on the floor and, and play make for, for players, but it, does he have it in the pick and rolls? Does he have it in, you know, the, the shooting? That's another area of concern. And then with LaMelo Ball, everyone sees the offense and the natural playmaking ability, but what about the defense? Is he going to be committed on that end? Is he going to have the motor? So that's not easy to kind of pinpoint uh, with these top three prospects, but you do see the upside in all three of them. So it's it's not an easy thing to predict. You just kind of get them in the right system. They got to develop at their own pace. Everyone has their own pace in development. So you can't exactly predict how guys are going to work out. I mean, for goodness sakes, you look at a guy like Luka Doncic or you look at Trey Young, who in two years, both of them have become all-stars and the superstars in their respective conferences in the second year of their careers. Uh, and, and then there's other guys that kind of come along a little bit more slowly, you know, um, a Michael Bridges, for example, who has started to find his groove with the Suns after a year. Um, but not quite to that level of that superstar that I just talked about. So it, it all depends on the player development staff, but it also depends on the player himself. Spencer Davies with me from the Basketball News. Um, you know, so you mentioned Halliburton, you mentioned some other players, and, and you said, "Hey, look, Detroit sitting at seven. You know, best available might be the way to go." Is is this a, a, a big man heavy draft? You mentioned point guard heavy. Is it more guards as you've kind of taken a look at it and gone? Maybe players 1 through 40, 45? I think it's more guard heavy. It's guard and wing heavy. Um, you know, the, the, the big men, the best two are going to be taken, I believe, in the top 10, and that's going to be Anthony Wiseman and Onyeko Okongwu, um, which both of them – are you know kind of a little bit different in their their play but the the, the sizes are similar and with uh i'm just gonna call him big o because it's very hard to you know pronounce his name until uh you, get... <laughs> you did all right <laughs> but uh he is going to have a little bit more of your shooting example you know better shooting uh, you know, similar amounts of rebounds, but his, his style is different is basically what I'm trying to get at uh, than James, who is s- currently someone that we haven't seen put that body of work in front of us because obviously Big O had the season at USC and then James Wiseman had three games at, we- at Memphis and then, you know, kind of went by the wayside. But I will say, cheap plug, uh, you can read about that inside look at James Wiseman on basketballnews.com. But at the same time, um, it is guard heavy, I believe. Guard heavy, wing heavy. Uh, that's the way you got to go. Uh, there is there is a, a big man, uh, you know, towards the middle of the draft, Jalen Smith out of uh, Maryland, who does look like he could be somewhat of a, a nice project. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, in my opinion, these these wings that play defense and shoot threes, those are going to be the biggest targets. One of my favorite players in this draft is Devin Vassell from Florida State. He came along a little bit later, but. He's drawn a lot of comparisons to Michael Bridges uh, in the sense that he can shoot threes and his length defensively is is a killer for anybody uh, in a matchup one-on-one or just out on the perimeter. Uh, so that could be someone who, who's a big pick there uh, late in the, in, you know, in the top 10, maybe in the lottery, who knows. Uh, and then uh, Isaac Okoro, another guy. Uh, remember, don't forget too, Cole Anthony somebody who was projected to be a top five pick before he came into North Carolina. That's somebody who's also going to find his way somewhere in the middle of the draft. You know, 
it's just all dependent on on how it shakes out. It, I really wish we could predict it, but we can't. Uh, but again, I think it's more guard wing heavy than it's been in a while. What are your thoughts as you watch these playoff games? Uh, you know, Houston and the Lakers yesterday night, for example. Where basically, and again, you know, people who watch the Rockets throughout the year have seen this throughout the year. It's not really changed, but this idea of pass out, you know, you drive and you're across the lane and you've got a, a wide open 15, 16, 17 footer and you're not even looking at the basket. It's just drive and kick, three ball, three ball. And you mentioned before about the Pistons and a guy like Svi and Seku who's got some range. How much of these GMs, including Troy Weaver here in Detroit, looking at these these three and D guys, where you got to be able to hit that deep shot because almost the mid range, the Rip Hamilton game is gone. It, it is almost gone. There's still some guys keeping it alive. You saw Russell Westbrook finally come out yesterday and and do a little bit with it. Kawhi Leonard obviously is like a layup to him, just that little short fadeaway ten footer. It's it doesn't even touch rim, uh, but the majority of of players are now that three and D model. It's almost kind of like uh, an, an archetype, if you will. Um, you see the Houston Rockets going with guys like PJ Tucker and Jeff Green and Robert Covington at the four and the five. Uh, it's a it's a very different game. So you would like to stock stock up on guys who are just kind of multi tool players. I mean, the immediate thought is someone like Draymond Green. Uh, maybe someone with a little bit better of a jump shot, but guys who are versatile and can play those positions, guard one through four, maybe one through five, depending on what their skill set is and, and how lateral they move. You know, like it, it's 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 crazy how different the league is as compared to even you could say ten years ago, um, where you had that dominant big guy in and it was you know four out one in. Uh, now it's mostly five out offenses and you guys got. You've got guys cut into the basket, and then when someone, you know, tags that person who's cutting, you'll have someone wide open on the perimeter, either at the elbow or the corner. Um, it's it's a different game. You can still get points inside. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Brooke Lopez at the end of that game last night, he asserted himself down low and played like that Brooke Lopez we knew in Brooklyn. But uh, the the consensus, you know, that the, the league is shifting in this direction to where threes are more important than twos. You look at the analytical game, then you're starting to look at, okay, perimeter players, guys who can guard multiple positions, playing defense. That's, that's your number one priority right now. And then especially, like I said, too, that point guard that can get you into those sets to make that stuff happen and point guards that like to score first, too. Oh, I don't think there's any question about it. And, and and again, you're right. Positionless basketball is kind of where we've we've gone with this. And and look, the model right now. I think you're you're with me on this, Spencer. And maybe this is something Detroit's looking at. Is just how Miami has built their team. And yes, they had a giant free agent signing in, in Jimmy Butler, and certainly South Florida and and, and tax free living and, and the beaches is is a nice <laughs> is a nice bonus for some of these guys when they're making their free agent decisions. Uh, but but you look at how the Heat kind of constructed their roster. You see how one of their assistant GMs, Adam Simon, is up for the job in Sa- Sacramento. Is that Miami model what, what teams are looking at? Uh, ultimately, I mean, I don't know. Every team can model themselves differently. Uh, you, you know, if you've got a playmaking big, big man, you can do it. You, you know, you look at Nicole Jokic. You can look at even 
in Memphis, how much uh, Jonas Valanciunas stepped his game up once he got moved there um, and, and how he's become a playmaker. You can do it if you have a playmaking big. The problem is if you don't have a playmaking big, then you kind of have to depend on your guards and your wings to, to be the guys to, to, to move the ball and get the offense, you know, in a flow. Because if you look at Miami, you see Bam Adebayo, you know, close to being the most improved player of the year. He is so unique. If you look at their offense, they just run dribble handoffs to Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. And I'm not even joking. That is like their, their two plays that they have. Um, the the, the half-court offense runs in, in that way that guys are constantly in motion. Now, when they're in transition, it's different. You know, you got guys pushing the ball. And, yes, Bam can push the ball as well because his, his handling has just come so, so far um, from when he was a rookie. But ultimately, I think that you have to have those guys be able to make plays no matter what their size is. Uh, again, we go back to this this different era of basketball. Sometimes you could be, um, you know, a one-dimensional player and, and survive. You could just be a shooter and, and hang out on the perimeter and, you know, make a couple defensive plays. Maybe you could be a point guard. You could just find guys, uh, you know, cut into the basket or guys on the outside, and, and then they can kind of create their own shot. In this era, everyone has to be able to do everything. And I think that's the hardest part about finding the guys that – have multiple tools in their bags yeah. and that right there, it sets you apart organizationally um, when you have a roster deep of guys that can do that. And, you know, you can even see players adapting to that style that are older. I mean, it's, it's not easy to find guys who don't have, you know, that, that one niche, they have to be able to kind of have it all over if that makes any sense. But. No, it does. And, and let me interrupt you for a second, Spencer. You look at the Pistons and you say, okay, you mentioned Kennard not just being a shooter anymore. You mentioned Bruce Brown, who's gone from point guard to at times having to play the four and guarding bigger people. Sekou, uh, multi-position guy. I know he's only 19-20 now, but you know the, the, the Pistons are moving, at least with their roster, towards more of those type of guys. Exactly, and they need to because – if, if you stack up those those assists, that means that you're getting buckets, you know, efficiently. Um, you mentioned Luke Kennard. That was something that I loved that I saw from him last year. I mean, you know, went from – basically doubled his assists. Um, he's putting it on the floor, kind of driving kicks, um, getting to the free throw line. Uh, you know, those kinds of things that when you're multi-tooled, that makes the defenses think. Uh, you, you know, like you have to adjust to that. Because if you see someone who you think you can peg as just a perimeter shooter or just a post presence or just a guy who, you know, passes the ball around, then you can kind of get them on their toes. And that's when if they hard close, you can attack the rim. Or if they think you can't shoot and you try to attack the rim, you can kind of, you know, kind of spray it out there to the outside and then they can shoot. So, again, it's it's multiple skill sets you know like you have to not be one dimensional in this league to succeed spencer really enjoyed the uh, time thank you so much thanks man i really appreciate you having me up spencer davies the managing editor senior writer for basketballnews.com follow him on twitter at spin s-p-i-n davies d-a-v-i-e-s great breakdown of kind of where the pistons are right now what to look for in the draft as well We appreciate you guys listening. It's another edition of the Pistons Podcast Wired 
Brought to you by our friends at Jeep. We'll talk to you again soon.